Like, what's your nightmare scenario? Nightmare scenario is uh, Icky and Wilson. Wow, that's like a pretty likely nightmare scenario. Uh, Welcome to the Recollection of Tom Tupa, a podcast about the New York Jets. It's an experience. It's a journey. And uh, this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming NFL draft. It's a very exciting time, and we're going to try to offer a little bit of certainty to these uncertain times, and we're going to write in ink Iki Aquanu at four to the Jets, and then kind of see what happens from there. My name is Nick, and I'm here with my friend, Barry. What's up, big dog? Not much. Uh, Let's get right into it. Where is your head at when we look ahead to this next upcoming season? Who are we kidding? This this whole this whole thing, this season, which I think the season's different. I think this is the first season in what ten years that there are actual expectations on this team, and it could. And you know, I I don't I don't think I think a playoff mandate's ridiculous because that that's just kind of irrelevant. It's arbitrary too, but they have to be a competitive football team because yeah. there's a chance we're doing this podcast next year. Again, I kind of felt this. We talked about this a little bit with Gate and Gase the second year. There's a chance that Zach's terrible, Salah's terrible, and they have a new coach and they're looking at a quarterback next year. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and that brings me to what I think I want to talk about first, which is a great segue of how how you feel going into this draft versus last year's because it's a very different feeling yeah. because there's a lot more certainty surrounded you know we we this the sala hiring was so fresh and we really had no idea where they were going to go other than zach all we knew was you know the zach pick seemed to be kind of um etched in stone by february at least by march but it's a very different feeling and i feel in some ways I feel better. In some ways I feel worse. You know, it's like, when, when, so tell it's, me why you feel worse. I have a reason I feel worse. I feel generally better, but then today driving, I just thought of this and I felt worse. But I what, think, I think the real reason I feel worse is I, um, and I think it was a tough job last year, but I had a lot of optimism for Salah in this first year. And I think that all of that, um, maybe a little bit too homery, a little bit too fanboy, all of that, man, we are going to have like a Tomlin-esque resurgence of energy mm-hmm. and ingenuity in the defense. We haven't played a 4-3 in so long. I was so excited about pinning the ears back. I, I was kind of banking on that. And with just how historically awful the defense was, it's hard for me to get too excited about this coaching staff. I, it doesn't mean I'm giving up on them, but – that to me is the diff- the real difference, not even Zach, because you know I feel it was on Zach, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but not believing in this coaching staff the same way I did when it was sight unseen is why I feel worse. Yeah, it's the same thing, and I think it boils down to be a little more specific. Same idea, I'm worried about the coaching staff, and I'm worried about them because what the Patriots did to them. What the good coach, I mean, they, they didn't even, it wasn't a competitive football game. It, they They... They made a mockery out of the Jets. They were a JV team. And um, and I think a lot of the good teams, the well-coached teams, the physical teams, they just laughed at the Jets. And I think even their kind of approach 
uh, Salah's approach, Lafleur's. I mean, they 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 were clueless. Now they improved at the end of the year. The, the offense did. I think we've we've talked a lot about how much we liked uh, Lafleur's improvement. Um, I, I could care less. I, I hate the stat about Zach not throwing uh, any interceptions over five games. I, 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 you know, interceptions in my opinion can be really overrated when you have a quarterback who's not throwing the deep ball and not taking, you know, uh, good chances, then I don't, I don't want to conserve that, that, that doesn't work. You look at the good teams in this league, they have fantastic quarterbacks who are pushing the ball down the field. And if that's what Zach's going to do when he throws an occasional interception as, as he, you know, matures, that's part of the process. This idea of him throwing 18 passes for, you know, 212 yard, like that's not going to, move the needle we need zach to be aggressive so I, so i'm you know i don't know what zach's going to turn into but i do have serious questions about the jets coaching staff um making the prior uh, proper adjustments to beat teams like the patriots like the bills um i, I don't have the schedule in front of me but yeah, these but- good teams that are well coached that just what went in there and i mean it wasn't even a game that just weren't competitive well, the years. Patriots one's funny because I think if most Jets fans were honest with themselves, and I think we're pretty honest because, you know, the, the pragmatic fan, then there's the Homer fan, there's the guy in the middle. I don't know what I'd rank myself as, but I do think I'm honest. And I think that if most Jets fans were honest with themselves, that Patriot one was a true, like, naked game where it's funny you don't even hear it mentioned by fans a lot of fans talk about the Colts game or the Eagles game people don't even talk about that Patriot game because I think it was we were so exposed and it was so raw that it's like we don't even want to discuss it and it's not ever mentioned that they hung 50 on us and it was and and here's the thing the Patriots stink yeah that that is not a good Patriots team the Patriots stink that 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 team is obviously well coached uh, they have they, the players know what they're doing, but they're a complete fraud. They're going to beat all the bad teams and just get destroyed by the good teams because they don't have the athletes. They don't have you know they don't have the the the, the Pro Bowl type of players on offense or defense. And they hung fifty on us, and they could have hung seventy five, and we could have had the ball twenty more times, and we weren't going to get we weren't going to score. And there's two things that I want to highlight with that, which the first thing is you touched on it without maybe explicitly saying it was that was the second time we played them. So Belichick <laughs> had his, he had his adjustments and Salah had his and man, it was not even close. And the second one that people always mention is Zach got hurt. Zach, I watched, <laughs> we saw him in that game. That game was not going to be any different, whether he was in it or not. I, I really don't. I truly don't think so. We might've maybe scored one more touchdown, but we, we couldn't move the ball. Even before his injury. And and that that scares me. When I think about those games, um, you know, early. The Saints Saints game was scary, too. I know they had a good defense, but that was like just we we looked terrified. Yeah, we got beat up again. And again, you could even in the last game of the year. And again, it was last game. We had no receivers. But the Bills, they, they toyed with us in a way that was embarrassing. Like. We were not an NFL franchise. And if you remember during the season, there was a period of time, I wouldn't say his seat was on fire, but there were some that it was so bad that Salah might not make it through the year. And they improved, and to their credit, they did improve, but we need to kind of see that improvement. They, you know, there, there's a little bit of an ego, um, which I guess maybe you need. Maybe it's the same, um, the kind of same type of ego that McVeigh had of, we're going to reinvent the league. This is how you do it. They're wrong. 
And it turns out, uh, no, they weren't wrong. Um, you, you, you feel that one of the worst defense in the history of the league. And to be honest, there are so many games that the teams just get stopped pushing the ball in the third and fourth quarter. It probably, it may have been the worst defense in the history of the league. That's the really the thing, to be honest, the Jets are at the point where they need all, they need an all pro player or two to become contenders. And right now, who, who are the all, who are the potential all pro, not pro bowl, but all pro players on the Jets roster right now? All pro. All um, pro. The only one that I would say that has that potential currently is ABT. Uh, I think Quincy too. I, I'm, I'm sorry, Q. I've Quincy. seen enough. I've seen enough of him to um, relegate to a Pro Bowl player, not an All Pro. No, I, I disagree because I think he's. This is the year because last year again, when you get hurt in the shoulder, that means this whole off season he's, he wasn't getting stronger. He was dealing with that all year. New defense. This is the year. Now, I'm not saying he is an all-pro player. No, I, I know. He just has the know. potential that if he comes in and he dominates, especially with Lawson, where teams sure. aren't, aren't, you know, totally keying up on him. Pure, he like, dominates, yeah. Pure, it's him and, and, and I guess. Becton, too. If we're talking pure ceiling, if we're talking. Well, like, and I, I, I'd like to see what Elijah can do for a full season. That's too. Yeah, if we're talking pure optimistic ceiling there's elijah moore abt um becton and q i think those are uh, if i'm talking about like what i'd actually place a bet on fanduel for abt is probably the only that's one that's pretty I, fun so what are the odds what are the odds if, if you could make a bet that's a what good are the question. odds that any of those guys are again not all pro um they're all pro i would say obviously they're all plus one um they're probably 10 to one yeah, 10 to 1. I mean, it obviously gets high. I think ABT would be the lowest return. I think it'd be about yeah. plus 950. Yeah. For an ABT. Um, and I think that a Q and Becton would be in the same tier at like a plus 1200. Mm-hmm. And I think that an Elijah, just because of size limitations, um, I think would be like a plus 16. What about yeah. you? No, I, I, I would agree with all those numbers. So let's talk real quick. Let's talk about your expectations for Zach. I think it is going to be peaks and valleys. I think that's who he is. I don't, um, my problem with Zach has always been the things that people value about him, his strengths, I think have been overblown, monstrously overblown. I think his arm is good. I think it's a good NFL arm. He has an NFL Keller bar. I, 100%. He does not have a hose as no. he was built to have. No. And I think that that is extremely concerning with how late he is because you look at even someone like a Justin Fields who, not to litigate him on this podcast, but the man has a hose. Mm-hmm. And that's something that is going to translate. It's something that is going to be of use to him this year in his development. And with Zach, there's a huge difference between being able to throw far and being able to throw fast. And I think he can throw far. I am not convinced he can throw fast. I'm not and worried about the fastball. I'm worried about being late. And he was consistently, even in even in the Tampa game, he was late. I mean, he missed a lot of easy throws. Not Darnold. He wasn't missing Darnold reads. He was just late. He had the but, right decisions. But yeah. that 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 should be what he improves on. That, but they're married, the though, aren't they? They're married because the later you, the later you are the faster it has to be 
Yes. And it's that type of thing where, sure, he definitely has the arm strength to if he's if he gets it going upstairs, he'll be fine. It's not an issue of um, measurables, but in terms of the selection, in terms of projecting him going forward, I think his athleticism was overblown. His arm was overblown. I do think he's a tad small and a tad light. Mm-hmm. And all of those things lead to if he's not getting right upstairs, what do we have? Yeah, who's his comp? <sighs> who's his best comp? I mean, the one that everybody, obviously, Baker was the comp that I think was a little no, that's lazy. Not, no. Um, no, they're not even similar players. Um, he's I, a better I athlete. He's similar a better athlete. from a standpoint of where Baker, you know, I think Baker's arm is kind of similar to Zach's. And but Baker's not, so small. Not the biggest. Um, but Baker's Zach, too small. Zach, Zach never had a taller. problem seeing yes. Yeah, yeah Zach's too much taller and it's huge. Man, I, his comp is difficult. I, I, I'm going to say his comp, but you're not going to like it. Drew Locke. Oh, stop it. That's disgusting. I, I mean, that, that's what he, that's what he, no, I mean, he's not, I mean, it's not a ceiling. It's not a ceiling. I mean, his ceiling is Russell Wilson. Hmm. His ceiling. Like, I think he, like, there were times in that Tampa Bay game that he looked like Russell Wilson. That's a good, that's it. He's not the athlete that Russell was. No, no, of course not. But but to be honest, he never really ran. Like, it's something about the Jets that they never really run their quarterbacks. Like, that's always frustrated me about Sam. Sam could run, and they just never did it. Um, I don't really want Zach running. That's interesting. Russell's, that's, that's his. That's interesting. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of Jeff fans will tell you his ceiling is uh, Rodgers. No, which is I mean, that's that's ridiculous. He's blasphemous, like, but um, that's blasphemy. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think Russell is his his you know wow that's he had it not play style wise, but in terms of result based, which is obviously the easier way to go because it's hard to do a match. Derek Carr, I think, is the is the hope. I think we, you mentioned it where in terms of production, in terms of stability, mm-hmm. I think that would be wonderful. He's not, a better athlete than Carr. Yeah, not the same player, not in terms of um, like profile, but in terms mm-hmm. of results, in terms of what he can do. Yeah, but yeah. that's a – he's probably – if you did a ranking, he's probably the 12th best quarterback in the league. And he, and he could on any given Sunday be the fourth best quarterback. That, that that Sunday, which is huge. And that's that's the guy you need. I mean, that's the best way to frame it is are there going to be days consistently? It doesn't have to be every week or even every other week, but are there going to be multiple days in a, in a season and in the postseason where it's like he went toe-to-toe with the guys that he is not as good at? Because that is something that I think is – that's what you need to be able to compete. And this is going all the way back to the draft. How do I feel about this year's draft is – they actually have a team now, right? So it's not like they're draft a guy that they're going to have to play. There's no position outside of linebacker, <clears throat> which we can talk about later, that now it's actually a competition, right? So you add another corner to the room, and now we're going to see who can kind of hang on to be the third corner. Can Bryce beat out DJ if they draft Stingley? Can Stingley beat out Bryce? That's going to make the team a heck of a lot better. I think they are telling us, and I think you mentioned this earlier, they are comfortable at linebacker. Which it's absurd. Which it's, is absurd. And talk about what makes you not feel so great about this coaching staff 
is they might be a little bit pompous in that regard and sticking to their evaluations from last year and not ignoring what they saw on game day and maybe paying too much attention to what they saw on the practice field. And maybe these guys are really into the playbook and maybe they're, they're great, great pros from a mental standpoint. That's all well and good. And hopefully they develop, but I don't know how you can watch some of those games the way that people ran the ball on us, including Mosley, by the way, who had some rough moments and not look at linebacker and be like, we need to make a meaningful addition, a day two addition at least. It gets to the core of the argument, which I, I still don't understand this, and it drives me crazy. I don't understand how we can be looking at an offensive lineman at four saying it's somehow a need when – it's just not like in terms of, hey, if we're a Super Bowl contending team, yeah, let's build, let's get a future, let's protect Beckton, let's protect Fant, let's get some depth, all these, these ideas. Well, meanwhile, we have one professional linebacker on our team. Well, that it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like it doesn't, comes... I don't care what you say. It does not make any sense. Um, now, obviously, I'm not going to take a linebacker at four. But, you know, I just I'm not getting a feeling that they're really, you know, I'd like to be somewhere around you know, one of those second round picks was get a linebacker who can move around the field. It just doesn't feel like it's something they, that they value. And I, I, that's now I go back to being worried about what the hell, I don't understand what the hell they're doing. I, I really don't. Well, yeah, that it comes into a value conversation. And this can lead us into the, the topic of the episode, which is, you know, Iki Aquanu at four, I truly believe, and this is kind of the thesis of this exercise that we're about to enter into is that if Iki is there at four, I think he is the pick whether we agree with it or not. And let's talk Wait, about let's, that. Let's, let's circle back real quick. Cause if we're going to do that, is Thibodeau there? Is, is Tibbs there? Um, yes, I think he is. And well, it's, it's hard for Icky and him. So who where you think Hamilton or Willis are going to go? I think that Trayvon Walker is going to go to the Lions at two. Okay. And I think that a Kyle Hamilton or Evan Neal would go at three. Okay. And the idea is, and you can also do it. You can also do it where Thibodeau was there at, at three, too, if that if that makes it easier to to swallow. But I don't think it really matters. I think Icky is the number one player on their board. Now, here's the only again. This is where, and I do trust Joe, which is weird. And this is I'm, I've spent the last ten minutes ripping and not understanding what they're doing. But I do. Look, last year's draft was fantastic. It really was. Um, outside of Zach, but he's a question mark and. We're not going to know about Zach for at least another 10. And that was right? happening. That was happening. Yeah. And, that, and, 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 and other credit, franchises would have done it too. To his credit, he made the right move. He moved on from Darnold. He, you know, he may have passed on the first rounder from San Fran, but we'll, but we'll, we'll let that go. That's a different pot. I still don't believe it. We have to get our investigative journalism. Like that. I don't know if that, that can't but be true. If you think Icky is the best prospect offensive lineman to come out, from the past two years is the best lineman on the board then then maybe i'm okay with the pick but it just seems like that's kind of a nice luxury to have that we now have a backup in case our first round pick from two years ago who when it was healthy was probably the best player on the roster that we have protection in case he doesn't work out but i'd rather take jj at four worst case scenario i'll just see what's left the tent and if i get stuck with wilson uh at 10 and so be it and i still think um there's a chance icky will be there. there's a chance neil could be there um 
you know, if the quarterback's coming to play and that sort of thing. Um, and I also, I also think if the Jets do take a wide receiver, it's going to be uh, Jamison Williams. So the idea of this exercise is Icky is the picket for, okay. whether we like it or not. Sure. So that then leads us to two huge pressing needs that I think most fans agree, which are premium positions, which are edge and receiver, an alpha receiver and a pin your ears back edge. So basically the question is, what do you do at that point? If Iggy's already selected, what are you hoping they do with 10? And what are you hoping they do with 35 and 38? Because I don't think all is lost if Iggy is the selection at four. And I think basically I want to get your thoughts on what you're going to prioritize, either edge or receiver. And when I list, give you the list of people who are currently on the board, I just did a PFF mock draft simulator of, you know, this is not foolproof, but who will have been left in our exercise, who you would prioritize. So I'm going to tell you who was off the board. Okay. The, the Jags took Aiden Hutchinson. Sure. The Lions took Trayvon Walker. The Texans took Kayvon Thibodeau. Okay. The Jets selected Nicky. Okay. The Giants selected Charles Cross. The Panthers selected Evan Neal. The Giants selected Amon Gardner. The Falcons selected Kyle Hamilton. And the Seahawks selected Derek Stinley Jr. So those are who are off the board, and I'll give you a refresher when you need I, it. I don't need it. I'm running to the. I am running to the clock in that scenario with uh, Jermaine. Um, yeah, Jermaine Johnson, and I'm and I'm fine. I'm running to it. Um, I, that's kind of um, I wouldn't say the dream scenario, but at, at ten, that's the dream scenario is for them to trade back. Um, I yeah. don't think it's going to happen. But uh, that's my dream scenario. If that doesn't, and they can select a guy like Jermaine Johnson, who I think fits nicely. Uh, I think they like, you know, again, I think the best thing that's happened to the Jets is going to the senior bowl. They fell in love with him there. Um, you know, again, because we had talked a little bit about it, even if things didn't go that way, I think the Jets are, would be looking, and I still think they'd be looking at penning at 10 not obviously not obviously if they take oh, icky that would be but that's my nightmare basically it's the question if you, you if you really want jermaine you take jermaine at four yeah you see what shakes out with the draft and then worst case you you're probably you're going to get penning or in that scenario you would get somebody who you know you might get one of the cornerbacks in theory would probably be there so with your scenario, I'm taking Jermaine. If we actually are for an edge at four and for a receiver at 10, we're going to get sniped. Like, because everybody knows it. So you would like to think that Joe has a different plan in mind and he wants someone like a Jordan Davis at 10. Because if he wants a receiver, well, he's done a really bad job of like, he's telegraphed it. So you would imagine a team that wants a Jamison Williams or whoever it may be is going to then jump us. Yeah, I'm, I, but here's the thing. Joe is going to draft two big boys. He's just going to. That, that is his MO. He says it all the time. It's what Sala wants. It's, it's, you know, outside. They're not taking a corner. I would be stunned if they take a corner four times. I mean, did they just pay DJ starting money? That's just not the way they think. It's just not the way they think that they're going to use high assets. Sala 
he had you know his soup of crap this this crap stew at corner because he thought he could just turn anybody into a good quality corner because I'm they're not taking a corner they're just not no also frankly I don't think it's going to matter because if we we're not taking the corner at four right so in that case Ahmad is going to the Giants either at five or seven and I think Stingley might someone might jump up for them or even go to somewhere like a Seattle. So I don't think that problem is going to be solved for us. I think we should play both these out. So I'm going to play out pick 10 here with Jermaine Johnson being the selection for you. Okay. Because the idea is then where do we go with 35 and 38 with receiver at that point? Because I would imagine as I run this, all the big dogs are going to be gone. And do you then double dip and say, I'm going to get two B receivers, you know, or are you going to get cute? So let's see what happens here. Yeah, let's see who's there. Let's see who's available. The top receivers left on the board after we've selected Jermaine Johnson is actually better than I thought it would be. I would say that the top five receivers available are George Pickens from Georgia. Who I love. Christian Watson from North Dakota State. Who I love. Jahan Dotson from Penn State. Who I do not like. Jalen Tolbert from Southern Alabama. Don't know a lot about him. And John Mechie from Bama. Yeah, Mechie. Okay, I mean, look, I got, there's the other question I have to ask because there's the dream player we've talked about a little bit. And I think I'd like to see the Jets trade up if Linderbaum is available um, after 26, I'll say. If, if he's mm-hmm. available at the 26 pick, I'm going and I'm getting him. And, and I'm literally going to get him. I have to have that trade locked and loaded. It's the only other player. Maybe if someone like uh, Devin Lloyd really fell, I would, but I actually think Linderbaum because now they have an identity. Let's say you take Icky, right? Now you take a Linderbaum and you took JJ. And then you're going to still get there. Obviously, you're going to use one of your second round picks to get up there. You're not going to need both to get up there. Now, all of a sudden, the Jets have an identity for the first time since Rex. We are going to be just a bunch of hogs in the mud. We're going to be the most physical team, and that's what we're going to – we're going we're gonna to beat you up. We're going we're gonna to beat you up, or even better, the idea would be this year, we're going to just get all the, the, you know, the hogs. We're going to get all these big guys. We're going to still struggle a little bit. The line's going to come together, and it's next year that we're going to go add the playmaker. The scenario that we embrace in a hug is that the Jets draft Tyler Linderbaum late in the first round. Absolutely. Cause you know, McGovern, I think he's, it's been quite the odyssey of him being vastly overrated when he was signed and then very underrated at points. People are saying he should be cut. And then you have him being overrated again because he played a little bit better down the stretch. The truth is he's a fine starting center that you should be looking to upgrade when you have the chance is, and then you have the chance to do it with what I think is an excellent center prospect. He's a little undersized, but I think in the LaFleur offense is the place where he could actually thrive. How excited, and this, this is actually like my selfish bit, is just how excited are you about the Jets if they have Icky, Becton, AVT, Linderbaum, Tomlinson, Fant. I can respect that type of overkill because it means, you know, certain, no matter what you say about the Jets, our offensive line is going to be good. If that's, if that's the play, you know, aggressive. 
In that scenario, it'd be Jermaine at 10. And then you probably, you might trade up for a Linderbaum. But let's say you didn't. What receiver are you looking at at 35? Who's the top guy on your board left there when you have a Watson. I'll go with Watson at that point. Watson. Watson is, again, with the Jets, enough of this. Let's play a conservative. Let's go for the home run. This guy played at North Dakota State. Watson played at North Dakota State. You don't really know what you're getting. He's the type of guy I could see, you know, the articles in, uh, you know, late July. No one can cover him. He, he's yeah. unbelievable. And that's the kind of player the Jets need. And I, I'm very comfortable taking uh, Watson there at 35. Um, that would address that. That's a, that's a good lottery shot. Unfortunately, not unfortunately, but at 38, then I got to go. I got to draft at, for need, uh, whether that need. Well, yeah, I think we, you've made it clear you would package 38 and 69 or 38 in the future third, whatever it was, to go up and get Linderbaum. And I think that's the right play. But let's pretend you didn't. Yeah. Would you then double dip at receiver and no. pair that with no. a Pickens or a Metri, or would you go no. with? Because there's still because there's this is a deep draft uh, at that point, you know, without seeing, I would draft the uh, the here's, best here's some hot but here's some hot button names here. You've got Travis Jones, the nose from Connecticut. No, you've got Jalen Petrie, the safety from Baylor. You've got Brisker, the safety from Penn State. You've got Nick Benito if you wanted to double up on edge. And, you know, Chad Moom is still there. And, you know, Leo Chanel, not quite system fit. Is, 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 oh, I'm not sure how to say his name. Ojabo? Is he there? He's not. He, he, was, okay. he, was, he was taken by the. I, I love the kid. I like Peter from, from Baylor. I've heard really good things about him. I liked his tape. Um, now, all of a sudden, I feel like the safety room, again, kind of checking some things off. Now we have, again, I think we have cancer in the cornerback position, in the cornerback room, but I think I feel really good about because I, I still think we're one warm body away from having a professional safety room. I've seen enough from Ashton. Uh, if I read one more article about how much he needs training camp, you know, he's, the guy's played a full season, but he needs training camp uh, <laughs> to figure out how to, the, to take cutoff angles. Um yeah, I, I'm, I'm very comfortable taking the safety there. And now I feel like, I, again, I, I feel like I have a professional safety room. I got enough bodies there. I don't have to depend on um, Joiner to stay healthy. Uh, I, can, I can have an open competition and let's, let's see who comes out. And, you know, two years from now, I got Whitehead and, and, and a young kid safety. I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, so, I mean, that hall is something to be excited about. I think you get Icky at four, you get Jermaine Johnson at 10. You get Christian Watson at 35. I think it's a little unrealistic that he's there. So you could swap that out for George Pickens. And then you've got Jalen Petrie at 38, which I think would be a slam dunk. And I'm pretty happy with that first exercise of prioritizing edge at 10 first. I think that's a pretty solid first four picks. And I think that makes the Jets better. So I think that that certainly would be a way to go. Now let's play out Williams at 10. Because I think that that's something that is very interesting that's going to maybe lead to some tough decisions of which you would rather go with. All the receivers are on the board. Yes, yeah, so I'm going with Williams. That's, going the guy with Williams. I, that's the guy that I'm okay. Again, I'd like to see, and I wouldn't even kill Joe. Um, he, you know, again, everyone has visions of Tyree Kill. Um, then you kind of uh, look at Jalen Ruggs. You look at uh, Jalen Waddell. Um but he's the guy that I think if he wasn't hurt, 
is good would would easily be uh, gone by then, and he might you know in the real draft he might be gone by ten. But he's the guy I would take very comfortably. Yeah, I, I think he's, yeah. The Jets actually have a little size at receiver. It's a little under, and I know they have Barrios and more, but they have two huge you know uh, tight ends, and Corey's big, and you know. And the ghost of Denzel too. Exactly, yeah. the ghost. Of the, <laughs> the ghost of Denzel is big, and you, you can always to be honest. You can easily add. Those are the guys that don't get drafted real high. The six foot four round you know, runners. You know, we're both obsessed with Justin Ross in the third. I would. Oh, that would that that would be. Uh, that's in play. I don't think he's going to go before seventy. I don't think he will. No, I, I think uh, as I'm looking at a a mock here, he's not gone. Um, so he would be available. So. Much to my dismay, in this scenario, Ibiketti was just taken at 34, which would crush me if they went with this. If they tried to wait on edge and we got sniped by one pick by the Lions, that would kill me. Because I think Ibiketti, I think the gap between someone like Ibiketti and somebody like a Jermaine Johnson is not very big. Um, I think that they're very similar players. I'm not going to get arbitrary with numbers, but I think that they're – clearly in the same tier. I think that he's somebody, his get off, his speed, his production has gotten better every year. I think that he would be a slam dunk at 35. Unfortunately, he's gone. This is the kind of thing that worries you about taking a receiver, prioritizing a receiver at 10. You know, it makes me want to say, maybe we should do what you did last time where you just, JJ was there and you got him. Um, because the best edges left here are Nick Benito, Drake Johnson, Boye Mafe, and um, Josh Pascal from Kentucky. Those are the highest rated edges that are left. And that's just, just not, not taking great. those guys. Yeah. I'm just not. Yeah. And then it leads you to what, what do you do then? Okay. So, so in this, in this scenario, um, I'm still, I probably, we, I think our biggest need is ultimately corner. Um, I still believe that um, I'm taking a cornerback. So if, if Kair Elam was there at 37, uh, he's at, not, I'll tell you the 35. best corner of Elon was there at 31, so maybe you would have traded for him. The best corner on my board that is there is probably McCreary from Auburn, Auburn or okay. Kyler Gordon from Washington. Yeah, I, you know, I, I would look at uh, either of those guys. I still have hope from the kid from Clemson. Um, he's really been uh, – let's see. So in the mock I'm looking at, he's still available. In fact, they have him really dropping. Um, I think he's – the, the the booth yeah but yeah booth went booth has been the guy that's been all over the uh the mocks it's, it's, so again i'm looking at this i just a kind of mock uh cbs has a mock man this draft is so strong i read it like 16 to 25 well that yeah which you know i can't wait to talk about the saints trade package and what we how much i'd love that yeah booth went to the packers at 28 in this mock yeah so again, I mean, it's it's hard to, to do this in a vacuum, but that'd be a guy I'd be hoping to get. I'm taking the best corner. I talked about the value of a safety, and if, if we drafted two a cornerback and a safety, and, and we had Icky Williams uh, a cornerback, and let's just stick with Peter Petre from Baylor, I'm okay with that. I think that uh, I don't think that's the direction the Jets are going to go. I don't think that's the direction that Salah and uh, Joe think. But I think yeah. and you could also talk to me in McBride. I know their their tight ends coach was the head coach for the uh, Middle, Middleton for the um, for the senior, senior bowl and just fell in love with the McBride kid. 
and it would be nice again now you'd go from having um no tight ends on the roster to two starting caliber tight ends yeah and a young kid um talk about helping zach out uh in today's nfl with 12 12 sets which you know that's what the niners that's what the floor wants to do um just didn't have that so i could i wouldn't would, would you be upset with mcbride there um, if, in the second, I would be, I'd be okay with McBride as early as the third, just because similar to, it's a, it's a smaller, it's less stakes, but it's similar to your icky argument mm-hmm. where we finally just invested money into two great, I think great signings at tight end where I don't think we're in a position to go luxurious like that, but he's a good player. So, I mean, how upset could you be? Yeah. So in this scenario, Pickens, Tolbert, Dotson, and Mechie are all still on the board. So, Picking Williams at 10 maybe wasn't the smartest move because they're going to go edge here if this happened. And it would probably be a boy and Mafe. It'd probably yeah. be a, and I'm not loving that. So, I mean, what this exercise tells me is I think at 10, I really would, if Icky is to pick at four, if that is true, which of course that is a hypothetical that we're just making a, a reality in this exercise, I would make sure that I prioritized edge at 10. And I'd be more comfortable with even double dipping a receiver in the second and third. You know, the guy that, that you could also talk me into about all of this at 10 would be Stingley. I, I don't, again, I, I. Is he your, he's, he's your number one corner in the class, right? Yes. And I think he's the guy that, and I, now I've just started to hear some rumors that the Jets are in love with him. Uh, they brought him in he's, late. He's which, visiting today as we're recording. When you bring him in late, that, that always is something to me, like we're going to sneak you in late. Um, I love Stingley. He's the guy. He might be the best. Before he got hurt, he probably had the best freshman. Um, that that team was a disaster last year. Um, that's a guy that could be an All Pro. Right? I don't remember what the price was, but as of a couple of days ago, there was a pretty popular bet under twelve and a half in terms of draft position where Stingley would be drafted. I. I don't know how much money I'm going to put on that, but there's no way Stingley's making it past no, he's too the Vikings at 12. So. It makes no sense. He's too talented. He's uh, he he's the guy, again, that you read. You know, that's what I always think about it. Every once in a while, but last year was probably my favorite Elijah every day. A lot, this guy is the best. This is He's the best, not the best receiver on the team. He's the best player on the team. And you just read these articles and they unpack these rookies. Um and when you don't hear anything, that's that's never good. But um, I could see distinctly just shutting everybody down. And I, I think from that pedigree, and you know, is if LSU is contending for a national championship, is is would he have played through it? I, I think he probably would have. But he got nothing to play for. Uh, it's kind of on easy street. There, he's not going to get himself hurt. Yeah, I, I love Stingley. I'll take my shots with them. I think yeah, DJ Bienemy um from the new york daily news reported today too that people inside the building they don't believe the drop off from 2019 to 2020 was that big they they also just looking forget about how great he was as a freshman they still saw greatness in his later tape as well so i think from that reporting coming out today the visit today i think if he's there at 10 he's very much in the conversation yeah i i hope so I do because again, I, I can't see, man, even I'm Jameson, I'm playing a little bit here. I, 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 to your point, like I'm, I don't have Jameson that much higher 
or lower than any of these guys. Like if, if we get Christian Watson at 35, I'm okay with that. I, I, I much rather, I'm, it's not even close. If we have uh, Icky and Stingley and Watson versus Icky Wilson and a, a corner, I'm not even, it's. The, yeah. Cause your corner is going to be a McCreary or a Gordon, which is not the same. Yeah. But I will say though, when you when you think about that though, the hall of an icky and a Stingley, which I mean, possibly could end up being the two best players in the whole draft in terms of pedigree, tape, measurables. But they're both kind of luxury picks. Not the corner is the same as tackle in terms of where we're at at the roster, but we just paid DJ Reed. They're very excited about him. Mm-hmm. And with Bryce Eccles and Carter, who I think, is, let's be fair, I mean, they didn't set the world on fire, but they were serviceable and they were pleasant surprises. And then obviously you have Becton and Fan and Tackle. Are the Chets in a position to, if that was the haul, however excited we might be, to make those kind of picks, ignoring edge, ignoring receiver? Not because, again, I don't, I know, I don't think they, we need a playmaker on edge, but it's again not the end of the world if we don't get one. We have a, you know, if we put JFM outside and we got Lawson and we got, uh, you know, Quinnen. The defensive line is fine. It's definitely probably the, this, the best part of their the defense right now. So if we didn't draft a defensive end, and then uh, who's the kid we got from their Jordan Martin that they yeah, love him? Jacob Martin, yeah. Jacob Martin. So to Joe's credit, this, this roster, again, outside of linebacker, isn't if we go into the season without making any improvements, they're going to add some guy. You know, obviously through the third and fourth round, they're going to add some bodies. Um, this what's the swing for the fences? That that's I guess how I what, sum everything up. What's just what's if a guy is is healthy and he's there and he could be a Pro Bowl cornerback, and in the Jets defense, having a Pro Bowl cornerback would be pretty nice. How do you think? Do you think the Jets are too bad of a team to ignore need? Or do you think the Jets are too bad of a team to not swing for the fences and try to draft high ceiling players? I mean, it's... Who, who do you want at 10? You got to get four? Well, I mean, I'll tell you what, and not to just put all my stock into this exercise, but if Icky were the pick at four, I think I'm... If JJ's there at 10, I'm yeah, running percent 100% running the card in, especially looking at the options at receiver at 35 versus the options at edge at 35. Now, you know, Ibiketti might be there at 35, and all of a sudden I'm feeling a little bit different about that. But the thing about Williams, which you just cannot ignore to me, the two big things, however game-breaking he might be, obviously is the injury mm-hmm. and how thin he is, how small he is. He's 189 pounds. I mean, the man is very small, and that stuff is hard to predict. And it's, I'm not just, you know, a body guy, but it is something you have to consider. And the fact that he's not going to be ready for months, let's call a spade a spade here. Zach's development is the number one priority. And when you're selecting a receiver, that's what you have to have in mind. And that's why I think people like a London because of the catch point. And I, I, the, I find that to be nonsensical. I really do. I find that because the guys, it's, it's kind of lazy. It's right. Oh, because he's tall that Zach can, won't be able to over. And that's not Zach's issue. Zach's issue is he, I don't, the issue with Zach is I'm not sure he's getting the ball out fast enough. I mean, Zach was late on everything is that he's, he's pretty accurate. Um, but we got big tight ends. 
We have sure. uh, we have Corey. I'm not going to draft a guy because he's five inches taller and can is good with jump balls. Uh, you know, twenty slots higher. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to me. I, 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 I'd rather yeah. take McBride in the the second. Here's in the, and this run two constantly have twelve formation on the field. That's going to be a better safety blanket than someone like Drake London. Sure, throwing, I mean, and, and it's also ball. it's lazy to say you know someone like a Garrett Wilson or a Jahan Dotson, however you high or low you might be on them. If you look at their tape, I mean they were excellent jump ball receivers. They were they yeah. got up there, and they are both not that tall. And I'm not that high on Garrett Wilson as a lot of people are, but you can't ignore that. And it's something that I do get tired of it when they act like, oh, we have Garrett Wilson on the roster when it's not the same player. And, oh, we needed Drake London when, to your point. As as a thought exercise, I mean, I know everyone's saying, oh, you know, we already got a lot. But if you had a guy like Percy Harvin and Tyree Kill on the same offense, why is that a problem? Like, like this, this, it's not like this is the NBA where they, they can, they can go big and have their teams don't have different sized cornerbacks. Like what, how, why does that matter? My so theory is people don't, my theory is even the people who are pro Zach don't think he's that good. And they are so terrified of the fact of him not being good that they are like, we need to just get, alpha a one receiver to mask those troubles which yeah, i understand he, the instinct but, but what's that idea that if he throws it high he'll be able to catch it versus the idea like is that if it's single coverage formation and you can you're throwing seams down the middle of the field with uh williams and and elijah taking slants and break make getting first down like if, if i had a bad quarterback i would surround them with playmakers not tall receivers I think the, what the truth of it is you surround him with who you deem to be the best receiver, which I think is kind of a version of what you're saying. Yeah. Or, where or the Drake London, gonna, go ahead. What's the more difficult throw, a jump ball, the 40 yards downfield, or a quick slant to, uh, you know, Elijah? No, sure. And it's something that, you know, you put Williams and Elijah on the same side. That's, that's a tear. That is terrifying. Yeah, see, I never understood. Like, it's not like deep defenses can match that. Uh, they can't it's not they don't have the the depth to, to make that a, uh to solve that it doesn't make any sense to me i don't understand why oh we need a we need a you know we need a route runner we need a possession guy that's what we need we need someone who can get us a first down um more than we need you know i guess that's Corey, but Corey dropped you know Corey dropped a lot of easy balls last he's got to be better i think he just just from just like the law of averages he can't be as bad as he was which I think is a plus. It's almost like we're getting a player. We're he's signing a, a player. He, he's if you have a good team, he's your number three receiver, and that that that, that you you have a good team. Yeah, he's your number three. He's not he's not a number one, and he's not reliable enough to be a number two. Yeah, I mean it's the kind of thing where you know he showed it in the Titan game, obviously, which I think had a lot of human nature to it in terms of his ability to perform well against his former team, but. He showed he does have the ceiling games where he can, you know, be number one adjacent, good number two, but that's not consistent over a 17-game season. So, I mean, yeah. Okay. Who, are, who I, are your second-round hopefuls? So so we'll say we go Icky and we go – and your goal and your dream is, is JJ. Who are you picking in the second? Yeah, I think that I'm – 
my dream, you know, perversion, which I think is becoming less and less likely, is Dax Hill from Michigan mm-hmm. slipping into the second. I don't think that's going to happen. So if I'm being more realistic, I would have no problem whatsoever uh, double dipping an edge with an Ibikendi. That's how good I think he is. And frankly, how <sighs> concerned, I guess, is the it sounds a little dramatic about a Carl Lawson and how much I want to keep JFM inside with Q. Mm-hmm. And I have no problem if, you know, some one of those guys is kind of the sixth man off the bench. I think that Petrie is also really inter- interesting at safety. And, you know, I, I'm struggling because I don't think I'm that high on this receiver class. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely a need. Because I'm looking and none of these receivers are exciting me at 35 and 38. But there's not a receiver that I would take over a Jermaine Johnson at 10. So it's a really interesting dichotomy of what you do. The more I think about it, the more I think I do not want to be picking at 35 and 38. I either want to be trading down or trading up, which comes back to our conversation of if guys like Dax Hill and Tyler Linderbaum and Andrew Booth are going in that 25 to 30 range, I'm making that happen because those are the guys I want. I think that we, you know, whether it's the icky exercise, which I think was interesting, or just talking about the the um, the variance of what you could do and the value of a receiver versus an edge or doubling up, double dipping, taking a lender bomb or just taking a BPA. I think what we've learned is, I mean, we knew this already, but this draft is very deep. I think it is very solid. And the number one thing that I'm concerned about is getting value and taking good players. And the position to me is more arbitrary than I think people think. I think Joe is convinced or was convinced that he was going to trade for a player. Convinced. I still, I think if you've gone to his head, he's still convinced he's going to trade for a player. He still I guess, Or will. Like the idea of like, all right, so I, I'm going to draft these guys, but I can still go and get whoever next year for my first and third that's the thing because it's next year's draft picks as well people forget you know it's the kind of thing that talk about the one thing that actually might work in our favor of people hating the jets and same old jets is people think we're gonna be bad next year too but other than the receivers i can't i I can't think of a player outside of like something crazy i think this uh, you know daniel daniel hunter has been mentioned yeah, but what are you yeah. going to do? His value. I mean, what are you going to give for Daniel Hunter? I mean, are you going to give next year's first for Daniel Hunter? I'm talking a, a whale, like a TJ. A whale? Uh, no, I think it's um, Debo. Debo's, Debo's the – he's the first one that's verbally said it something. The system's the same. He's starting to build a brand. His jersey sales went up, you know, coming to the New York market. Debo makes the most sense. I can't see the – just can't see the nine. The, the Niners know they're not stupid. I mean, they, they're not going to make that. I can't. Well, they, but, they, but they want to pay. They want to pay him. They came out and said it, and he doesn't want to sign with them. Yeah, well, that's we'll the see. report today. Yeah, but where he was, he has no. Is what two years left on his contract or one year? But and the, then they can, and they yeah. can franchise him. But the genius of this move and these agents and these players are learning this. You're being told by this guy who's going to be 26. I don't want to play for you. And you have a team that is historically bad saying, we'll give you next year's first round pick. 
Mm-hmm. I can see them making that deal. It's an interesting. Uh, that's kind of a lot to give up for Debo. That's what it would have to be. So the, this this one has uh, someone on uh, Twitter thirty five, thirty eight, and sixty nine. That's a that's a lot too, because the draft is so deep. Yeah, thirty five, thirty eight, and sixty nine. That is Petrie, uh, Justin Ross, and Multiple I don't more. know. Yeah, it's more. Yeah, because uh, hey, basically you're looking at you. You could easily get Linderbaum and uh, whoever your favorite second round quarterback safety type of player is with that you can get you can get linderbaum for 35 and 69 you can go get him absolutely yeah it's the that probably gets you up to 20 i would guess something like that 22 the hit rate in the draft is not high i don't care who you are if you're the ravens whoever is considered like the best drafting teams Having more bullets, I think, is the way to go. And that's what Joe learned from. Joe talking about the Ravens. He learned from Ozzy. You know, he learned from the Eagles organization, valuing picks, trading down, and accumulating assets. And the idea is to make those picks, I think. I think that he's willing to make a trade, obviously, for a alpha receiver or an or sign an alpha edge like a Chandler Jones. I think he telegraphed what he views as a, this, these teams this team's needs but i don't think i think he's going to stick and pick this year yeah I, I, think, hope, I hope he does i want him to or or like to go up and like i'm saying go, go sure yeah 35 and a fourth for you a, end up with four 10 and 26 mm-hmm. and um you take God, that would uh, be so fun you I'd take be so uh, excited. They get, it, you, you could i would actually if, if you told me you're going to get linderbaum that I want icky because I just want to have the nastiest, youngest line. <laughs> like and that's just fine. And so I would name have a well, yeah, I mean, what if I told you it's icky, it's Jermaine, and it's Linderbaum? And and who's my I get one more second rounder. Um Petrie. Yeah. I don't know if I would peach you there at that point. Because if, if I got pickings. Yeah, I don't I don't think they would make that pick. I like Pickens as well. I think he's become underrated. I think, you know, the production's not quite there, but the, I mean, just yeah, but that profile, he's big, he's fast, he blocks, he's nasty. Yeah. Yeah. I love him. He's the kind of guy on it. Let's just, let's just add some players to his team. Let's not try to do every, we, we're not going to, we're not going to compete for the Super Bowl this year. So let's just get big and nasty and get an identity. Yeah.